Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 481. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. Our first sponsor thanks goes to Mayesh Wholesale Florist. Family-owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., and we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small around the U.S. Learn more at mayesh.com. How are you all doing, friends? It's already the week of Thanksgiving. Can you believe it? I'm still racing to get my five last peony roots from Mountain Flower Farm and my last 100 hyacinth bulbs from Longfield Gardens planted, not to mention a few woody shrubs and perennials that I purchased locally on a plant buying trip last month. It will all happen this week, I promise. Speaking of Thanksgiving, despite this ridiculous year we've had, one with painful losses and disappointments, I do feel grateful. I'm grateful that our Slow Flowers community has remained connected through this year, thanks to technology. Our membership has just surpassed 800, an all-time record high, thanks to our operations and membership manager, Karen Thornton's stewardship. Our listenership in this podcast continues to grow with more than 2,000 downloads each week, And our engagement is breaking all past records, thanks in large part to our amazing social media maven, Nisha Blancas. Ambitious projects continue to drive us forward, all with the goal of inspiring the floral industry and its consumers to embrace local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers. One of the positive results of not being able to travel since March has been moving my in-person Slow Flowers member meetups that took place wherever I landed for a conference, speaking engagement, or magazine assignment to the virtual Zoom platform. We met weekly from late March through late May and then switched to monthly meetings beginning in June. We've held more than a dozen meetups this way, drawing hundreds of Slow Flowers members to check in for an hour, hear from a speaker or two, sometimes participate in breakout rooms, gain inspiration, and win giveaway prizes. Today's guest, Candace Howard of Duchess Flower Farms in New Brunswick, New Jersey, has been a frequent participant in those Zoom calls. That's how I learned more about her, which led to a deeper conversation and my invitation that Candace share her story here on the Slow Flowers podcast. Here's more about Candace and her flowers. I excerpted her bio from a recent newsletter. People often ask me what I did before I became a floral designer and then a flower farmer. So I'll go back a few years to give you a brief history. I grew up in Milburn, New Jersey, and graduated from Rutgers College with a bachelor's degree in political science. Most of my career was in government and nonprofit administration and fundraising. I worked for the governor's office, the New Jersey legislature, and the county of Middlesex. I have also worked for a number of nonprofit organizations, including Special Olympics New Jersey, Girls Incorporated, and Women Helping Women. In 2013, I received my design certification from the Flower School New York, and I spent the following seven years designing florals for weddings, which recently led to the decision that I really love growing flowers. Any future designing I may do will be with my own fresh flowers. My husband Tom says that I am the farmer, which I am since I actually sow and harvest all the flowers and everything in between. But he helps me with all the big stuff, like building that great high tunnel and replacing our old fence, both of which gave us really greatly expanded growing capacity this year. Tom also installed an irrigation system throughout the beds. So yes, I am the farmer, but Tom is the director of public works here at Duchess Farms. We're currently in the process of applying for farmland preservation so that the seven acres we live on will be preserved as farmland in perpetuity. We expect to have that designation sometime this year. So let's jump right in and meet Candace. She's shared lots of farm and flower photos, which you can see at deborahprinzing.com in the episode 481 show notes. You'll also find all of Candace's social places so you can follow her journey.
Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so happy today to introduce you to Candace Howard of Duchess Farms, and she's coming to us from New Jersey. Hi there, Candace. Hi, Deborah. It's so nice to be here. Oh, it's it's great that we're doing this, uh, working with technology and long distance and all of that. But um, we um, we've have you seen a lot of each other because you've joined a number of the um, meetups, the virtual meetups over the uh, course of. COVID 2020, right? Yes, I have. I have. And I've really enjoyed them. That's fun. I mean, we, we've had somewhere between like, I don't know, 20 and 60 people on those calls. But when they're a smaller group, that's when you really get to talk to people and kind of hear about them. And that's when you talked about um, what was going on with your farm and we decided to do a podcast about it. Uh, give us... Be- just to kind of place yourself on the map and give everyone a snapshot of your business. Describe Duchess Farms, where you're located, and kind of what your scope of, you know, kind of services and and products are. Okay. Uh, we are a seven-acre farm in South Brunswick, New Jersey. We are in the middle of the Garden State, um, which... I think not a lot of people think about us as a garden state because we're in New Jersey, um, but we 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 have a, actually a lot of uh, flower farmers in New Jersey, believe it or not. I mean, garden state probably came from like pleasure gardens, but it's an agricultural state too, originally, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We're still, we're huge on agriculture and actually there's a lot of support from our government for agriculture. Um, just, you know, very agricultural state. So I actually feel like there's a lot of support for us, um, as a farm. And where in, is South Brunswick uh, in the state? Like what put us on the, put it on the map. Are you in a more rural area? We're actually not. We're in a pretty suburban area. We're right near Rutgers University in New Brunswick. So we're about halfway between New Brunswick and Princeton. Okay. Um, we're on that kind of Route 1 corridor. Uh, we are uh, we're in South Brunswick, which has rural parts and then very um, suburban. Okay. So, um, for instance, South Brunswick High School has, I think, you know, 1,200 students in the graduating class. So it's, it's a huge suburban area. Yeah. We're right off uh, Route 130, which is a major corridor from uh, New Brunswick to Trenton. Okay. Um, but we're about a mile off the road. And when people come here, um, they cannot believe that we exist in this rural area, in this very suburban area. So like this little oasis of seven acres of flowers surrounded by suburbia. Wow. Wow. How did you, uh, well, we'll get into the path you made, you, you took to get there, but I want to hear like what you're growing and, uh, okay. you know, kind of all the pieces of your pie. Sure. So we actually, we grow flowers, uh, cut flowers and we have honey. Those are our two main crops basically. And we, we grow, we grow a lot of traditional flowers, um, sunflowers, zinnias, sort of all the traditional flowers, but we also really like to grow some heirloom flowers. Um, we have lisianthus, we have scabiosa, we have dahlias. We grow um, a lot of flowers that are sort of not like the normal flowers you would find in the supermarket. Right, right. And that's one of the things that our, um, the people who are our customers really appreciate the they don't see these things in the supermarket. Right, right. So you've got kind of the summer annual field crops and then some other um, maybe more value-added flowers that you're growing, you said in high tunnels, right? Is that correct? Or We have um, a number of raised beds okay. that were actually already here when we bought the property. We have a high tunnel. We only have three beds in our high tunnel. Um, our high tunnel is, we put it up last year and we actually started using it this year. So, so up we, until this year, you were all field grown uh, yes. crops. Wow. Okay. So, and we also just added, I'm, I'm really trying to extend the availability or to increase the um, volume that we're able to produce because there's a demand for what we're doing. Uh, so I, I, well, I hope this turns out well, we'll see, but I started a pollinator garden sort of n- actually near the bees 
on a place on our land that was not being used at all. Um, and I, I planted, um, I planted rutabecchia, triloba, and oh. I planted a lot of things, fillers, textural things that the deer don't like. Cause we have, we have tons of deer on our property. Um, and, and so I planted all these textural things so that hopefully if this works, I'll have all of these things that are not taking up space in my, my beds. But they can be um, kind of um, at, grab, grab as needed design elements. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. So you talked about demand. Um, what is happening? Like, well, who are you selling to? And um, how would you describe your customer? And maybe it's changed because of COVID. So tell us that too. Yes. I, I mean, our customers are mostly, they're local. Mm-hmm. They're in South Brunswick. They're in North Brunswick, which is a neighboring town. Um, there are people who, it just seems like the people who gravitate toward us are people who really appreciate flowers. They appreciate the the variety of flowers we have. They appreciate what we're doing here, um, that we've preserved, we're preserving this land, that we bought it from people who did not want to sell it to developers. Uh, there were a lot of offers from developers. Sure, I bet. Yeah. So you're kind of seen as as stewards of this land. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly right. Do you, uh, when you talk about people who love flowers, are you primarily selling at retail then, Candace? So you're selling direct to the consumer or, yes. um, and what are the, how, what shape does that take in terms of um, subscriptions or availability that you sell on, like e-commerce? So we absolutely um, tried selling last year. We sold at a farm market last year in the middle of New Brunswick. Um, and that was really a good uh, source for us to sell. But this year, and they did open this year, but mm-hmm. we we decided because we had such a demand for our subscription, for our CSA, we decided not to do um, a farm market this year. Right. So we strictly sold to people who purchased our CSA. Um, and that I did not expect to have that kind of demand the year before I really needed the farm market. Sure. So Cause you got to move the product, right? Exactly. Yeah. We were also very new. So the, and the farm market actually helped us tremendously because we ended up with this database of people who were interested. And so I kept emailing to that database and that's where the bulk of our customers came from for our CSA. So you announced the CSA, like when do you announce it for the season? Is it a spring kind of promotion or? I started, I announced it in the spring mm-hmm. um, this, this past year, but now I have given all of my customers a, a promotion where if they sign up by March 31st, they will get a discount. For 2021. Uh, for 2021. Yeah. So now you're be- building that repeat customer then. They're they're loyal exactly. to you. Exactly. And that is important because, as you know, with, um, with community-supported agriculture, we want to um, have revenue coming in as early as possible. Yeah, yeah. Because we have to, you know, purchase. Um, and that's really um, that model is really something where you want to start it early in the year. So, so I've got that primed for next for 2020. Yeah. Can <laughs> can you tell us how you're pricing it and like for how many are they subscribing by the month or by the quarter? I mean, I know there's so many different models. Yeah, I I actually um, took my model from another um, another flower farmer. You know, why create something new <laughs> when you yeah. can use something you, that's already working? Yep. Don't reinvent um, the wheel if you can borrow. Right. Exactly. So basically what we do is we have, um, we have a, a summer CSA, which is six weeks, six weeks. And then we have a half CSA, which is, the, I'm sorry, the summer CSA is seven weeks. Okay. The half CSA is three weeks, four weeks. And then, the, then we have a fall CSA, which is five weeks. And then you can, you can do a combination of the fall and summer. And get is, like 12 weeks or something like that. Get 12 weeks yeah. and get a better price because you've bought for the entire yeah. summer. And so how are you distributing? Are they coming to 
uh, Duchess Farms to do the pickup? Yes. Wow. Yes. It's, um, it's That's great. Basically, um, this was the year where I could say, you know, pickup only. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have a parking lot which we put in a couple of years ago because we were preparing that we might have some retail, a retail outlet on the farm. Mm-hmm. So we, it worked out really well. Everybody came between four and six on Wednesday and picked up their flowers and everybody seemed to be doing really well with that. And what's about average price per week that someone would pay? I know it varies on the quanti- the frequency. I actually charge $25 a week. Okay. Don't know, you know, that seems to be like, I've done my research Mm -hmm. looking at other farms and that seems to be a fair price. And to be honest with you, I sometimes feel like it's too much because I just want to, I, I just want to make sure everybody gets their money's worth. I bet you they're getting a lot of value for that $25. Cause that's what some farmers market, um, pricing is comparable to depending on where you are in the country. Right. So it's great that you have, you've grown that and people are willing to pay that. Yes. And we've added, you know, we add value because I mean, I add to sort of that price that you would see at a farm market because, you know, we're, we're growing these really beautiful heirloom flowers that they're not seeing anywhere else. Um, Right. And, and you know what they all, say to me, they know I work really, really hard. Yeah. Like they see what goes into it. Um, But that's a great education just for, for anything you do down the road, that there's a appreciation for a, you're saving this farmland from development and B you're growing a beautiful couture product that is, you know, artisan grown because you're hands-on. It's not a production farm. I do everything. (laughs) <laughs> well, you said we, Candace. So I know your husband's somehow in the mix on this, but it pretty much is. He's got something else going on. This is pretty much you, right? Yes. Yes. He he helps me. I say we because it is a joint venture. Sure. So we bought the farm together. and But he, he does help me a lot with sort of the technical aspects. But as far as the planting and all every every single thing that has to do with the planting and the harvesting and all of that that's all me <laughs> all right well okay so i'm just curious before i want to hear your backstory but i'm just curious um if you uh have a request from florist to sell wholesale i'm sure that that's another direction you could go but is it something you're even um open to or is is what you're doing now working really well I, yes, I do have requests from florists to sell wholesale, and I have sold buckets of flowers here and there to wholesalers, I mean, uh, to florists, mm-hmm. but I I just don't have enough volume yep. to be able to put myself out there in that way. And, you know, I actually, my first season was very interested in growing anemones and ranunculus, and because as a former floral designer... I love those flowers, but I had to come to terms with the fact that I can't necessarily grow those flowers because I don't really have the market. I can't grow enough flowers to supply a florist with 200 anemones for a wedding. Right, right. I just can't do it. So I stopped growing those crops um, because of that reason. Well, you alluded to the fact that you're a former florist. I think your path is fascinating. Uh, Maybe we can back up a little bit and talk about your path to flowers and life before Duchess Farms and kind of show people that it's possible to reinvent yourself, which you've done so beautifully. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to share that story. Um, I I, I don't know how far back you want me to go. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll, we'll get the, I don't know, go for it. <laughs> what would you tell a stranger? <laughs> I, I guess I would start with, you know, encapsulate my career before floral design as about a 25-year career in government and in nonprofit. So sort of switching back and forth between government and nonprofit um, I worked in the governor's office in, in New Jersey in um, early 2000s. I worked in the legislature. Um, 
I've worked for county government. And then I've worked for nonprofits like Girls Inc. in New York, which uh, was a dream of mine to work there. Um, wonderful. That really empowers girls, um, you know, to become strong, smart, and bold. That's their, that's their motto. Uh, so I worked there for four years in uh, fundraising. Wow. And that's a national organization. I've seen chapters in my community. So yes. How cool yes. is that? Wow. So and all this um, kind of advocacy and, and, and as you said, outreach and fundraising, all of these skills, um, it's like a past life of yours. <laughs> what happened when you pivoted to flowers? So I, I pivoted to flowers. There was one particular job that I had that I won't mention um, that was very, very stressful. And um, there, there was a lot of nastiness in the job. And I would come home at night. I, I found that I had a talent for silk floral design. Mm. I made a, a um, cornucopia for my family Thanksgiving table from a basket I bought in the dollar store. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's actually turned out pretty well. So then I decided to start making some Christmas stuff for my house. And then I started giving gifts to friends for their birthdays. And every night I would be sitting with my family in front of the TV making silk flower arrangements. Mm, wow. And I realized that this was some form of therapy because I was in a kind of a difficult situation during the day. So I would come home and that would be my way of working through whatever emotions I had. Yeah. You're kind of your, your coping mechanism. It was the coping mechanism. Absolutely. So, so basically um, I went into a flower shop to ask the owner if she would be willing to carry some of my silk designs. And she said, well, we really don't do that. We, we make our own. So she said, but would you be interested in helping me with some fresh florals? She said, Valentine's Day is coming up and I'm going to need help. And it was like a light bulb went off. And I thought, wow, I never thought about that. Maybe I would be good at that. Right. So, and I'm one of those people like zero to 60. Um, when you, when you know, you know, so you make the, yeah. sh make the switch shift. Yeah. Thing you know, I'm in floral design school. I asked my husband, you know, I said, what do you think? And he said, well, I'll support you. And, you know, that'll be great. And so I went to the flower school in New York. It was a three-month program plus an 80-hour internship. Wow. So pretty, they're pretty much their main um, floral design 101 program. I don't know if they do that anymore, but like a, like a certificate program, right? I was the first class. Wow. But they became uh, actually certified by the state. Yes. Um, after my, but my class was not certified by the state. But after that, they, they became um, an actual certified program. But I know I got, I got a great program. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I had like one of my instructors was Ariella Shazar. And um, I just fell in love. I mean, I, would I was in New Jersey. I would come home every day with two bags with floral arrangements because I had to bring them home on the subway. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was great. It was oh, great. Yeah. I mean, they have such an amazing uh, faculty of visiting instructors. You probably studied with a lot of great people. I did. I did. Um, Lewis Miller. Uh, was oh my gosh. And, oh, wow. And I actually worked in Ariella's shop when she first opened it in, um, Tudor City. Oh yeah, I've been in that shop, which doesn't yeah, exist I, anymore. Yeah. No, no, but I worked there as part of my internship. Oh, so, oh my yeah. goodness! So I had the absolute pleasure of working with Ariella. So, so at some point, did you pretty much set the silk flowers aside and really go all into being, you know, working and with fresh product and doing? I did that as a career. A I kept doing silk flowers for a while and then it just wasn't, it didn't make sense for me anymore. So it was taking up too much of my time and, you know, there wasn't a lot of, um, it wasn't very lucrative. Sure. So I just decided to put that aside and, and do, um, 
I worked for a little while for um, a flower shop in Milltown, the town right next door to me. And then I decided that I really wanted to do my own thing. Um, and so I got a studio space and started my own wedding design business. I think I had three weddings my first year. And um, then I, I ended up, I think my, I had like 33 weddings my second year and about maybe, maybe 35 or so my third year. And I, I did it for seven years. I mean, for a one, one, one person studio, that's pretty much, I can't imagine how you could take that on. And obviously you probably hired freelancers, but I did. It was pretty intense. There's yeah, I had a couple designers that helped me and, and I, and then I hired um, some per diem people to help me on site with events. So setting everything up. Yeah. So you would you consider it? Your, would you describe that as a sort of a full service um, menu that you that you marketed? Uh, as far as the kinds of things that I offered. Well, I don't even know when I say full service. I'm thinking like not just pick up. Like you would go do the installations oh. and you would design the space and that sort of thing. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I did everything. What did you name that business? Duchess Florals. Oh, it was Duchess Florals. Okay. Wow. So the name Duchess has been with you uh, through both yep. design and now farming. Yes. Before we start talking about how you transitioned to farming, I'm just curious, when you were in that seven-year period at, with Duchess Florals, was there an emphasis of a way to source product locally? I mean, this was probably over 10 years ago, right? Uh, I started the business in 2014. Oh, okay. So I am embarrassed to say no. I don't think I, you should be embarrassed. I'm just thinking back that if you started the farm, you started the farm in 2014, right? Or the floral oh, design? The floral design. Yes. I started the floral design February of 2014. Okay. And, and so I, and there might've been some, there might've been some local product, but it wasn't like really obvious for you where to source or anything. No, the only local product that I, I got was from one of my wholesalers who bought local product. Okay. okay. So I knew he was buying from someone local because he told me. Mm -hmm. So no, I, I didn't, I didn't have the experience to know that that even existed. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So here you are having the Duchess florals. You're supplying, you know, beautiful designs for local, I'm sure maybe regional venues and weddings at, at venues in your kind of neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. And then where did the next chapter reveal itself to you? The, like you said you go zero to 60, so you must have gone zero to 60 from floral design to flower farming. Actually, that was a little bit slower transition. <laughs> it was really my husband who, mm -hmm. my husband, Tom, who, um, he, we were living in a, a house in North Brunswick and we had a very small backyard and my husband is a, he likes to mow the lawn. He likes to, you know, blow the leaves. He, he's very much an outdoor guy and he was not happy in it having that little amount of property. So he said to me one day, well, how about if we buy a farm and then you can grow flowers? So it was really his idea. Oh my goodness. I love it. That's like, crazy. Flowers for your business. Sure. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I love that idea. We had no idea what was involved. So we'd actually started looking at properties and now this was him going from zero to 60. Uh-huh. And you just tagging along. <laughs> he found a property and basically talked to a real estate agent and got us going and the property didn't work out. It, it had some septic problems and it just wasn't the right thing. And we went into contract, but then we, we, uh, we backed out. Mm-hmm. So then we decided we're going to wait a couple years because our daughter was in college and we figured let's wait until she graduates. We'll, we'll, she'll have her room. She can come home, be comfortable. And then two years later, so she was a junior in college. We stumbled across this property because my husband did a good deed and um, 
shoveled the neighbor out of that they were away in California and he shoveled them out. We had a bad storm. They came over to give him a gift card and we started talking. He started talking about wanting to buy a farm and they said, oh, well, we know somebody from our temple who has a farm and they've been trying to sell it for two years. And so we got the information and the, it just so happened that the owner lived in Portland, but was back because of the weather checking on his house. Portland, Oregon or Portland, Maine? Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. Oh, yeah. 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 A long distance owner. They moved. Uh, they were in Portland for two years. They started a winery. Um, and so he was back. We looked at the house the next day. Two days later, we made an offer on the house. So it wasn't even really, the land wasn't being worked per se at the oh. time. No, they had, um, they were master gardeners mm-hmm. and they had, set up uh, 10 raised beds, fenced in raised beds. And they told us that they had never used any chemicals on the property and they had been there for 32 years and we were sold. Yeah. Raised beds. We can just hit the ground running. And the fencing, you mentioned the deer pressure. So the fencing was a a bonus because you didn't have to invest in all of that um, to, because the, the, the raised beds were with inside the fencing. Yes. Yeah. Wow. What year did you guys buy the property? 2018. Okay. Wow. So that's why you were talking about, you know, your like first season, second, this was your third season then to 2020 or was it your second season? It was our third real season. Yeah. Yeah. 2018 was the digging out of the, the raised beds were not visible. Mm. Because there were bees nests and it was, it took us that season, that summer to really clean out and get to the beds. We did plant dahlias in two of the beds and we, they were beautiful. So we were like, okay, we're good. We know, yeah. no, we're good. Um, they, like, they like it here. Yeah. Yeah. So that was just a, a, our opportunity to test and see what the, how well the soil did and so Candace, meanwhile, that year that you moved in and you cleaned up the beds and you got the dahlias in, had, were you still designing weddings that summer? Yes. Okay. So you had an overlap then for a while. Well, yes. I just had my last wedding in January of 2020. So wow. we had about an, a year and a half overlap. Yeah. But we did move the design business from the studio to the farm. So it made it a lot easier for me to do everything. And Duchess Flowers just morphed into Duchess Farms then. Yes. What do you, um, well, I want to ask you about the bees because that's a part of your mix that we haven't, you just mentioned, but I'm, I've been meaning to ask, like, is that an add-on to sell honey to your CSA subscribers or how does that work? Yes, it, it is an add-on. So the bees were here already when we moved to the property. Um, the, the previous owners hired a beekeeper and because there's actually a tax benefit to having agriculture on the property, actual agriculture. So um, this is what everybody does to get their tax benefit. Mm-hmm. So we uh, do, we absolutely, we, we jar it under our name, um, Duchess Farms. We don't actually, as I said, we have a beekeeper. Sure. But it's from our property. So we, we jar it under our name and we sell it under our name. Um, I gave all of my CSA customers a little mini jar at the beginning of the summer and they all loved it and they all bought it all summer long. Yeah. I mean, it's fair. I've had people post, this is the best local honey I've ever had. So we, we definitely, and that's nice because we have a a small source of revenue during the winter as well, because we can still sell that. Sounds like the best of both worlds too. You get the pollinators you get the honey, but you don't have to be the beekeeper yourself, which kind of freaked me out. I don't think I could do it. We hope she stays around for a while. <laughs> so, um, do you could would you say that you're going to be much more focused on the farm going forward, or uh, will you keep getting? I'm sure requests for wedding designs still coming your way. I do not do weddings anymore. Um, okay, I I just got, it got to the point where it had really taken over my life. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've heard 
I've heard many of your other speakers or um, interviewees talk about being intentional about um, how you spend your time. And in fact, the person you had on last week um, talked about how she had to make a lot of changes, I remember. And so the wedding business was basically taking me away every weekend. And, yeah. and I was doing a lot of it by myself. So during the week, it was, it was, all, it was basically all consuming. Yeah. So I decided intentionally to stop doing, doing weddings um, and to really focus on the farm. And to try to be intentional about what I do yeah. from, from this point forward, because as I told you, I go from zero to 60. So I get excited about something and then I just do it. You're all in. I'm all in. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably about 10 years away from retirement, although. Who knows, right? It would be retiring from, I won't retire from the farm, but right. I am doing, I am doing some some sort of side work, um, back in my old industry. So that I won't do forever. Right. But, right. Um, I'm only doing that part-time because I really want to focus on the farm. But how fortuitous that you had kind of drawn the line in the sand with weddings and said, you know, in the event you had in January was the last one. So you were, you weren't one of those people whose 2020 was upended with postponed and rescheduled weddings. You had just intentionally not booked any for 2020. So that was kind of a silver lining for, for getting out of it. Yes. But I certainly have a tremendous amount of respect um, for the people who were in that situation. Oh, I know. Absolutely. know that panic, you know, that feeling of panic and, and all of the money, you know, the deposits and all of that. So I'm happy that I wasn't in that situation, but I do feel the people who were. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes these things, these scenarios, you'd like, you couldn't have predicted it. And, and it's, it's great that, um, this farm is redefining your lifestyle. And, um, I, you know, I don't know. How did you learn how to be a flower farmer? I mean, you just put dahlia tubers in the ground, but like, did you just uh, talk to a lot of people, read a lot? Um, First thing I did was take Lisa Mason Ziegler's class, flower farming class. I think it was her first one. Oh, flower farming school online, right? Yes. I took that class. Lisa is a no-nonsense farmer <laughs> and she, you know, she, I just, I took her class and I, and of course I read cool flowers and I, I followed Lisa since really since I started and I don't know how I found her. I just, I'm yeah. one of the people who researches a lot and reads a lot. And so I've stumbled upon her. That's great. And so and that is like something like a six week course that's online that she generally offers kind of in the off season. So you were, you could get all that Intel and knowledge and then be ready to ready to roll when, when the climate changed. Exactly. I started because of her, I knew to start seed starting in February and January and February and how to make soil blocks. And that's awesome. Those things were really helpful. I, I did actually take, um, uh, Jenny Loves. I went to Jenny Loves Farm and took her class, uh, her flower farming class, which again was tremendously helpful. I'm dropping a lot of names, aren't well, I? I mean, I'm thinking too where you're located. <laughs> like she's in Philadelphia, you're in New Jersey. That was easy. It's nice you had the option to do it in person, and then of course the online, because yeah, otherwise it's a very lonely uh, venture sometimes for people who are self, you know, solopreneurs, and you're kind of in a in a you know, isolated part of the, you know, part of town when you're on a farm and, you know, you just, yeah. I don't know. And with COVID, you're even more isolated. There really are not um, a lot of farms very close to me, mm-hmm. but I have reached out um, and made, you know, established relationships with other farmers in the area. That's great. You said there was a lot of flower farming happening in New Jersey. That's kind of on the upswing then. There is, there is a lot um, happening. And there's the Garden State uh, Flower Farmers Co-op, right. which um, is in Morristown every Wednesday. So, which you know, 
to me, if I had known about that, if that had existed when I was a, a florist, I that would that would have been like my 28th Street, right? Because it would have been a game changer. They have the most beautiful, stunning heirloom flowers, and florists can be members and have access to that every week. But that didn't exist. Right, right. You know, and 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 that you know, I attribute a lot of that to you. Mm, and well, you know, and we have and a good community. Just for my, you know, make my little plug for slow flowers. <laughs> um, I have slow flowers. I don't only joined about a year ago. Yeah, I remember that. And I feel like this summer, I've really, I've really started to understand the movement and what what you're doing and, and actually I've read a, a history about, you know, what, how it started and everything. Um, I went back and checked you out, Deborah. <laughs> okay, great. Well, um, it's, you know, I, I kind of go zero to 62, but I don't necessarily know what's at the, at the 60. I just, yeah. you know, embark and, uh, I'm really humbled and, um, yeah. And kind of awestruck with what has happened because of the, um, community that's come together to really support local local floral agriculture, but also sustainable design. And this sort of sweet spot that we're all in um, is seems to resonate with consumers, especially it this does. year, right? It does. And I did, and I don't know if you saw it, but I did a lot of um, marketing around Slow Flowers, American Flowers Week. Yes. And, yes. Thank um, you. <laughs> well, I mean, Do, it, it, it just helped me understanding everything that you've been doing in this movement that started really helped me to frame what I'm doing. Um, it's like, I sort of went into it backwards. Like I started this, but then found out about the slow flower movement. And mm -hmm. then I was, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> it's validating. Yeah. It is validating. I love that. And I think, and um, it's the support. The support oh, is, yeah. is very important knowing there's a community of support. Yeah. And also your point about using the tools to brand yourself and market and communicate with customers. That's something that I, I just love seeing people exploit and use any way they can. And yeah. uh, sometimes I hear from people who are question the value of their membership in Slow Flowers. And I look at their website and I'm like, but you're not using any of our branding tools that would, you know, help put you on the map and differentiate yourself. And so you're missing this huge opportunity. So I, you get a plus for, you know, I am jumping on that. Marketing, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Candace, um, I'm going to put you on the spot. Maybe you can design one of our uh, botanical couture uh, dresses for American Flowers Week for 2021. <laughs> Since you love American Flowers Week so much, no pressure. <laughs> um, Think well, about it. Definitely talk about that. I, I sort of. I've seen them, and they're so extraordinary that I don't see myself in that that week, but uh, all right. Hey, you, you, you got silk flowers and a, a basket from the dollar store and turned it into something fabulous. I have no doubt you could do it. It's the issue is whether, you know, you have the product and the time. So right. The, right. the invitations out there. Thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate that. No, that's I, great. I just wanted to just say one more thing. I read, I read in your bio about um, how your husband wonders how all of this happened. Right. Do you have a husband that. like that too? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Yeah. This isn't the girl, this isn't the girl I thought I, I was going to be married to my whole life. And now she's an entrepreneur and doing her own thing. <laughs> yeah. He's, I, I think he's glad that I've sort of slowed down a little bit. Yeah. But he's so. Mr. Duchess farm. So he can, you know, he is, he, he is be the tool guy. Is, and he always says, you're the farmer, you're the face, you're, you know, you're the one who's up front. Cause I'll ask him to do something with me or represent us in some way. And he's like, no, I, that's you, that's you. <laughs> and that's I appreciate neat. that. Yeah. You know, I appreciate that. He, he respects me in that role and yeah. feels that I'm doing a good job and he doesn't need to feel the need to step in or. Yeah. You're lucky. He's not, he's not the duchess. No, he's not. He could be the Duke. <laughs> well, this has been so much fun. And I know you've shared some beautiful photos with me and um, just briefly mentioned the video that you shared from Rutgers University, because I want to include that in our show notes uh, so people can learn a little bit more about what you're doing. 
So you want me to just tell you about, about yeah, the video? Yeah, just describe it, yeah. Okay. okay, so basically the local cooperative extension at Rutgers, there's one in every county. So in Middlesex County, um, the one of the uh, horticulturalists there um, teaches at Rutgers University and he wanted, he's doing a class on beginning flower farming and he wanted to have someone who's just sort of a couple of years in to talk about um, the pitfalls, the, you know, all of the different um, aspects of farming. So um, there's, there are five, like three minute videos um, on, that I put on YouTube that address different topics um, that may be helpful to beginning flower farmers. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. And so they're sharing that with people in that course. Yes. Wow. Great. I would love to, we'd love to share that in the show notes just so people can kind of see another aspect, which is education and connecting with, you know, master gardeners or county extension or the agriculture, you know, education programs in your community. Who knows? Maybe someday you'll be teaching there too. Never know, but I, I when they asked me to do it, I felt like at first I felt like who me, you know, like <laughs> I just started this. I I don't even really know what I'm doing, but um, you know, I felt like this is a way for me to sort of pay it forward mm -hmm. and maybe um, get people interested in farming because we want this to continue for long after we're gone. We want absolutely and. So I felt like, well, if I can contribute to that in some way, um, and then as I was talking, he was interviewing me, I thought, oh, well, maybe I do know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it was all in there. You know? And then as the words came out, you were validating your knowledge. Like, who is this? <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's yeah. great. So that was a great opportunity for me. Oh, that. good. Well, I, I will share that for people to see too, so they can uh, just get to meet you a little bit more and awesome. after hearing from you. Okay. And uh, I wish you a wonderful, um, quiet season as you start planning and uh, getting ready for 2021, which is, you know, it doesn't sound like you're going to change things much. You're going to no. continue. Yeah. Well, I awesome. Just, I just continue the way I'm going and just try to expand as much as I can once we, we're going through the preservation process, farmland preservation. And once we go through that, we're hoping to have more capital to help us expand. And mainly what we need is fencing. Um, so that's our, right. and then hopefully we can have expand, expand our CSA. Oh my gosh. I hope I get to come visit you when I can you travel again. Yeah, oh, definitely. You're welcome anytime, Deborah. Oh, thanks so much, Candice. This was a great conversation and I'm so glad to share it with, um, I think it'll be an encouragement to people who are just getting started or maybe a couple years in and yeah. just feeling like, did I make the right decision? And uh, you've affirmed that it's worth it. It's, it's I, I hope a that's, meaningful choice. I know a lot of the programs that I've listened to um, on Slow Flowers podcast have been very inspiring to me. So I do hope that, that this one has the same effect. Oh, great. Okay. Thanks so much and have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Candice. Thanks so much for joining us today. As we discussed, Rutgers University's Beginning Farming Program recently interviewed Candace about flower farming. You can find and watch that five-part video series in our show notes as well. Candace generously shares challenges, victories, and advice in that series. Our next sponsor thanks goes to the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. We have lots of news which you'll be able to read in the upcoming December issue of the Slow Flowers newsletter out next week. If you aren't receiving it, you can find the subscribe link in today's show notes or in the footer at slowflowerssociety.com. And of course, it's totally cliche, but we're jumping on the Cyber Weekend bandwagon here at Slow Flowers. From this Friday, November 27th through Monday, November 30th, you can enjoy two promotional offers. Number one, a 20% off 
coupon code applied to any item on the Slow Flowers online shop. Use the code CYBER20. Right now, you can find all three of my books, plus American Flowers Week bouquet labels and our new etched Slow Flowers Society bookmark. And Karen promises that more items will be added to the Slow Flowers Mercantile through the month of December. Number two, my online course, Slow Flowers Creative Workshop Floral Storytelling, will return with a January 6, 2021 start date for our second session, with pre-registration opening Friday, November 27th. Anyone who registers during Cyber Weekend, Slow Flowers member or not, will receive $100 off the $297 value course, and you'll pay $197. We'll also send you a free signed copy of the Slow Flowers Journal Volume 1 book, valued at $20, as a thank you. If you miss out on this opportunity, the course tuition will bump up to $247 for non-members and $197 for members for the whole month of December. And you can find details on both these promotions in our show notes because it's sort of hard to keep track of all the, the coupon codes and links. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 662,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much as our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry. The momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. Our final sponsor thanks goes to The Gardener's Workshop, which offers a full curriculum of online education for flower farmers and farmer florists. Online education is more important this year than ever, and you'll want to check out the course offerings at thegardenersworkshop.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com.